Hello, pilgrims and travelers on a funny path of life. <coughs> the Christian asks you to believe in his religion, to believe in Christ, and to believe in him as the incarnation of God, to believe in a God, in a soul, and in a better state of that soul. If I ask him for reasons, he says, no, it is my belief. But if you go to the fountainhead of Christianity, you will find that it is based upon experience. Christ said he saw God. The disciples said they felt God, and so forth. Similarly, in Buddhism, it is Buddha's experience. He experienced certain truth, saw them, came in contact with them, and preached them to the world. <coughs> So with the Hindus, in their book, the writers, who are called rishis, or sages, declare they have experienced certain truths, and these they preached. Thus, it is clear that all the religions of the world have been built upon that one universal and adamantine foundation of all our knowledge, direct experience. The teachers also God, they also their own souls. They saw their eternity, they saw the future, and what they saw, they preached. Only there is this difference, that in most of these religions, especially in modern times, a peculiar claim is put before us, and that claim is that these experiences are impossible at the present day. They were only possible with a few men who were the first founders of the religions that subsequently bore their names. At the present time, these experiences have become obsolete and therefore we have now to take religion on belief. These are entirely denied. If there has been one case of experience in this world in any particular branch of knowledge, it absolutely follows that this experience has been possible millions of times before and will be repeated eternally. Uniformity is a rigorous law of nature. What once happened can happen always. The teachers of the science of yoga therefore declare that religion is not only based upon the experience of ancient times, but that no man can be religious until he has the same perceptions himself. Yoga is a science which teaches us how to get these perceptions. It is useless to talk about religion until one has felt it. Why is there so much disturbance so much fighting and quarreling in the name of God. <clears throat> there has been more bloodshed in the name of God than for any other cause. And the reason is that people never went to the fountainhead. They were content only to give a mental assent to the customs of their forefathers and wanted others to do the same. What right has a man to say he has a soul if he does not feel it, or that there is a God if he does not see him. 
If there is a God, we must see him. If there is a soul, we must perceive it. Otherwise, it is better not to believe. It is better to be an outspoken atheist than a hypocrite. The modern idea, on the other hand, with the learned, is that learned is that religion and metaphysics and all search after a supreme being is futile. On the other hand, with a semi-educated, the idea seems to be that these things really have no basis, that their only value consists in the fact that they are strong motive powers for doing good to the world. If men believe in a god, they may become good and moral and so make good citizens. We cannot blame them for holding such ideas, seeing that all the teaching these men get is simply to believe in an eternal rigmarole of words <coughs> without any substance behind them. They are asked to live upon words. Can they do it? If they could, I should not have the least regard for human nature. Man wants truth, wants to experience truth for himself, to grasp it, to realize it, to feel it within his heart of hearts. Then alone, declare the Vedas, will all doubts vanish, all darkness be scattered and all crookedness be made straight. Ye children of immortality, even those who live in the highest sphere, the way is found. There is a way out of all this darkness, and that is by perceiving him who is beyond all darkness, and there is no other way. The science of Raja Yoga proposes to put before humanity a practical and scientifically worked out method of reaching this truth. In the first place, Every science must have its own method of investigation. If you want to become an astronomer and sit down and cry, astronomy, astronomy, it will never come to you. The same with chemistry. A certain method must be followed. You must go to the laboratory, take the different substances, mix them up, compound them, experiment with them, and out of that will come a knowledge of chemistry. If you want to be an astronomer, you must go to the observatory, take a telescope, study the stars and planets, and then you will become an astronomer. Each science must have its own methods. I could preach you thousands of sermons, but they would not make you religious until you first practice the method. These are the truths of the sages of all countries, of all ages, men pure and unselfish who had no motive but to do good to the world. They all declare that they have found some truths higher than that the senses can bring to us, and they challenge verification. They say to you, take up the method and practice honestly, and then, if you do not find this higher truth, you will have the right to say there is no truth in the claim, but before you have done that, you are not rational in denying the truth of these assertions. So we must work faithfully using the prescribed methods and light will come. In acquiring knowledge, we make use of generalization 
and generalization is based upon observation. We first observe facts, and then we generalize, and then we draw our conclusions or principles. The knowledge of the mind or the internal nature of man, of thought, can never be had until we have the power of first observing the facts that are going on within. It is very easy to observe facts in the external world, and many thousand instruments have been invented to observe every point of nature. But in the internal world, we find no instrument to help us. Yet we know we must observe in order to have a real science. Without a proper analysis, any science will be hopeless, mere theorizing, and that is why all the psychologists have been quarreling among themselves since the beginning of time, except those few who found out the means of observation. The science of Raja Yoga, in the first place, proposes to give men such a means of observing the internal states in the instrument, and the instrument is a mind itself. The power of attention of mind, when properly guided and directed towards the internal world, will analyze a mind and illumine facts for us. The powers of the mind are like rays of light being dissipated. When they are concentrated, they illumine everything. This is the only source of knowledge that we have. Everyone is using it, both in the external and the internal world. But for the psychologist, this minute observation, which a scientific man can throw upon the external world, will have to be thrown on the internal world, and this requires a great deal of practice. From our childhood upwards, we have been taught only to pay attention to things external, never to pay attention to things internal, and most of us have nearly lost the faculty of observing the internal mechanism. To turn the mind as it were inside, stop it from going outside, and then to concentrate all its powers and throw them upon the mind itself in order that it may know its own nature, analyze itself, is very hard work. Yet that is the only way to anything which will be a scientific approach to the subject. What is the use of such knowledge? In the first place, knowledge itself is the highest reward of knowledge, and in the second place, there is also utility in it. It will take away all our misery. When by analyzing his own mind, man comes face to face, as it were, with something which is never destroyed, something which is by its own nature eternally pure and perfect. It will no more be miserable, no more unhappy. All misery comes from fear, from unsatisfied desire. Man will find that he never dies, and then he will have no more fear of death. When he knows that he is perfect, he will have no more vain desires, and both these causes being absent, there will be no more misery. There will be perfect bliss, even while in this body.